Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So here we are, Bloomsbury Ballroom. Tell us why we're here tonight, Eddie. Um, oh, every couple of years I do a thing which I'm very closely involved with, a charity called uh, Amber. It's about, as it clearly defines, you know, it's the difference between red and green. It's somewhere in the middle. It's where kids go off the rails, um, either get badly abused by uh, drugs, drink, physical violence, sexual violence, all sorts of mental violence, all sorts of things. They live rough, but they have to want to get off what they're doing uh, and to come straight and be clean. They come to Amber, which is a home. We give them about normally six months um, under our, if you like, our, our guidance and so forth. And hopefully they go out much better people. And the success rate is remarkable, really. It's about uh, 80, 85 percent of the kids that come to us go back. They don't reoffend. Very often they go into all sorts of caring and services industries. Uh, there was a time we used to get a lot into the police and in particular into the army. That's semi-slowed down a touch, so we're looking at new avenues to place people to give them a chance in life to move on. And the reason why I'm so involved in this is really because um, I know what it was like growing up in Ireland and, and so many of us could have been on that side of the line instead of being lucky with parents and friends mm. to keep us on the straight and narrow. Mm. So that's how easy it is to be there. Mm. Fantastic initiative. Good on you. Um, so tell us about that childhood in Ireland growing up. Why was it tough for you? Uh, well, it was... Uh, we don't want to get too political on, it, on your programme. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> don't you worry <laughs> about you that. You know, I, I came out of just, just end of the war and um, Ireland was a place where I was very confused because a lot of people had uh, signed up to go and fight for the British Army and yet it was confusing because Ireland was controlled or had been controlled by Britain um, quite forcefully and uh, with the black and tans and it was difficult from my side because my grandfather was shot dead in front of the family by the black and tans um, so we come from a very republican family uh, where we believed Ireland was one country, should be one country and um, not necessarily to take life for that but to be very strong in our view that this is a republic um, and of course that happened but it was uh, split from the north of Ireland which was a shame in many many ways because um, it, it's a natural island it should be one. Uh, how were your coping mechanisms for that kind of childhood because you know it must have been an awful lot of external influences and confusion if you like growing up in that environment. Um, well by nature it was uh, quite poor um, certainly didn't uh, I wouldn't have had in in 10 years 
the number of shoes that I would have now in 10 weeks. So, you know, uh, what I'm saying is that um, whatever you had, you were very happy to have had. Mm. And you grew up in that, and so you made things. So um, you find so many people interested in music in Ireland, and yeah. the reason is because you had to make your own entertainment. Uh, why am I so passionate about music? For that very reason. So Christmas Day after dinner, um, your mother, your father, everyone got up and sang their song uh, because televisions weren't a thing that you had. Mm. And, um, and But we were never sad because we didn't have the money. We were never, never felt, um, I never felt that I, I was going without. Uh, I always had uh, a nice room to sleep in and to go to school and to do my studies or whatever it is. And, and my mother was such a strong woman. She always made sure there was enough food on the table. But I was always let do what I wanted to do. Marie is very much an Irish mother, uh, very protective of the family um, and everything that goes around inside the family. And then with, uh, with, with reasonable respect, um, you can more or less do what you want, providing you, you don't bring any shame or sadness to the family mm. by doing stupid things. And um, that, that applies to every family throughout the world. If they can do it, that's what they need to do. Mm. And um, I'm lucky, but I've always said that I'm the luckiest person on earth, without any question. Everything I seem to have done, yes, of course, I've got kickbacks and I've got knockbacks. But, you know, I've always brushed them aside. And I always say, without any hesitation, luck is such an important factor, whether it's health, whether it's family, whether mm. it's money, mm. whether it's business, whether it's anything that you, you know, you're striving or try to do. You need so much, you need an element of luck in each case, and I got more than my fair share, absolutely. Now, racing clearly sears through your veins, but when did you first realise you could make a living out of it? Well, um, making a living was always uh, um, difficult um, because there's elements of what is making a living. Is it struggling that you're actually starving and you're able to just say that you're making a living? But where I made the chance, I, I uh, won a championship in Ireland um, and then I won the former Atlantic Championship which was half in Britain and half in Ireland and some races in Europe. And then this guy... Um, George Mackin, who was the head of Marlborough at the time, and um, he wanted somebody to help create a brand called Raffles, and uh, he used, he asked me, would I help him? Because I had, as far as he was concerned, I had the gift of the gab and the blarney and all that sort of. I don't of know what he's stuff. talking about. Uh, he didn't know he was completely <laughs> a bad judge of character. But anyway, he put me together with James Hunt. Now, if you could imagine uh, James Hunt and combo. I, that would be a, not a combo made in heaven, but it turned out to be magical, and I adored wow. every moment yeah. that I had with that man. And um, we started a brand called Raffles, and that worked. And part of the payoff was that I did. Um, I was part of the Marlborough World Championship team. And there were some unbelievable people in there. At the time, of course, none of them uh, were world champions and they didn't have a clue. I certainly didn't have a clue. All I knew was that these were incredibly quick drivers. And James was one of them. Uh, Nicky Lauda was the other. Uh, Emerson Fittipaldi. Um, Alan Prost. And we know that they all became world champions. And I certainly didn't. But what I learned by being part of that mechanism, by being part of that team, both from a uh, technical point of view, a uh, structure point of view, seeing how it was mm. organised, and in particularly on a marketing point of view. I learned so much. Mm. And I said, well, clearly I'm not as good as these. But I, wasn't, I didn't know how good they were. And, and fast forward to 91, where you've got your name emblazoned on the side of the car. How much of a kick was that? Well, you say that, but, you know, the real... If I'm, if I'm to look back over times that I had... 
I would say my, my favourite time in racing was prior to that. Um, so the uh, coming in and starting the team in, in 81, finished the racing, yeah, 81. 82, I found Senna and brought him to Macau in 83. I mean, that is crazy. You have been associated with some of the biggest uh, names the in the sport. The first time Senna drove a Formula yeah. 3 car was at Silverstone in May, in, in June, 1982. That's Amazing. a long time ago. Yeah. And he had just come. He'd been testing for Russian Green in the morning in Formula 2000. He'd never driven a Formula 3 car. So I reached out to him and said, listen, why don't you come and drive this for me? And, uh, of course, um, we became friends, good friends. And we went to Macau with Dickie Bennett for the Marlboro team, which I still stayed close to. And we won Macau. 91 and Michael Schumacher was a different thing. It was Formula 1. That was pressure, pressure, pressure. Yeah. And um, so... Um, I mean, how much of a coup, though, to give so Schumacher his debut in Formula 1? That's something that... Well... Must always... Mm, yeah, but, you know, no. he, it wasn't, that wasn't an easy time for me. We were absolutely skint. Well, you lost uh, him straight afterwards, didn't you? To well, we lost him straight afterwards. A lot of people don't actually realise the, the race he was to due to do, which was Spa... Um, because of gas show and then sh we would live in the caravan and uh, roll the car out make some money go on to the next race but this was all in Europe and I think Britain never quite did that because you used to do the race and come back no matter how long the drive was at least you get home mm. but that wasn't the case you'd be in Sandvoort one day which is in Holland and the next day you could be in northern Italy the next week and you just drive between the two and hopefully somebody would come with money to very seldom would I have a driver for the season and that was the most fascinating time I absolutely loved. My memories of that now are probably the best of ever. Formula One was far too serious, far too stressful, mm. far too money-orientated. Bernie had it by a stranglehold. I absolutely love Bernie, but, you know, uh, you never knew from one end of the week to the other whether you would be able to survive it. And, and people often say to me, what was the best part of Formula One? Mm. And I said to survive it. Um, that's true, you know, to actually make it from one end to the other without going bankrupt as a private individual because mm. it was a private team. We didn't have big manufacturers. We didn't have any other major partners. So we did it. It was Marie and I. Uh, I'd come home. She didn't really want to hear about the detail of the, the aggravation factor. And just coming back to the Michael Schumacher, uh, what people may not fully understand, and um, why would they, I suppose, because they don't know, but when he did his first ever try. The Friday, he didn't do the test on the Friday. And the reason being was because the bailiff had come and locked the doors of the truck and we weren't able to let them until Bernie got enough money from the people at the gate to pay the bailiff off, which allowed the locks off the truck, roll the car out and put the car on the track. That's true. I mean, you say, and you're looking back on it now, and it's obviously incredible stories and memories, but that must have been stressful at the time. You've got a young family trying to put food on the table, and you don't even know if you're going to race that weekend to, to generate enough cash well, to feed your kids. Uh, I've been very very fortunate in terms of health-wise uh, and I've only been really ill once and that was in 91 and there is absolutely no doubt about my mind that the stress and mm. the illness was directly linked really? to the financial stress of Formula mm. One mm. and people talk about stress of this that and the other but when you've got a number of people and at that time I probably had less than 100 people working but you've got suppliers and staff and sponsors and people and uh, their wives and their kids going to school and you realise how many people are semi-dependent yeah. on yeah. you or fully dependent on you and you realise, man, this is so stressful. Mm. Um, the obligation of finding money to pay them every week and 
one of the great feelings of satisfaction that when I'm in a paddock and I'm walking up and down like I was last weekend in Singapore, um, not one person who's ever worked for Jordan can say that I owe them money. Not one person, not one supplier, not one. Everyone got paid. Yeah. And, you know, when I now reflect back over what people maybe sometimes, unfortunately, have been in a bad position, have, have left me short of money and haven't paid me. But I paid, Jordan Grand Prix paid yeah. every single yeah. And that's why I can go into any motorhome. Yeah. Yeah. I can go up and down the place. So that gives me great satisfaction. And you can sleep easy at night. I mean, if you if you look, uh, and there is a sense of irony to this, that that your team then evolved into Force India, who of course have had a, a tumultuous summer, not knowing whether they've got jobs to go to the next day. What do you make of all of that? And really, in this day and age, should that be happening? Look, when Jordan, um, which to be very fair, um, I. You know, Bernie said to me, look, he, he, he was so helpful to me um, in many ways, but so uh, many times he would say the things I didn't want to hear um, and things like, uh, Jordan, get the hell out of here. Uh, the gig is over. You've done 15, 16 years in Formula One. You've survived it. Don't dick about Just get the fuck out of here. And um, he was. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So right. When I first came into the sport seven years ago, you were always just known as the guy, fingers in pies, just very well connected, um, finger on the pulse, fingers on pies and pulses in pies. The point was, you know everyone, and as a result, you seem to break stories before a lot of other people. So I'm thinking Lewis to Mercedes, Schumacher's return in 2010, Massa leaving Ferrari. Is this a reputation that you've deliberately cultivated, and, and do you enjoy this kind of feeling of... Uh, being just slightly ahead of the curve? Um, well, you have to be either close to what's going on or have people who are close to it. I, m- I mentioned a word that I spent uh, in my early days, which was uh, 
Nicky Lauder. Of course, it was Nicky who sent me in to go and speak to Lewis to try and see what the situation was. Could Lewis ever could leave McLaren to really? go to Mercedes? Right. Well, clearly I knew what was going yeah, on yeah, because yeah. I was kind yeah. of on... So I was a little bit naughty by saying what I did, but that day in Singapore, mm. uh, I did run with a bit of a punt. I was saying it was going to happen mm. when in actual fact it hadn't been signed. And did you get in trouble for that? No, I would, who's going to give me trouble? Well, I know, that's the thing, isn't it? So, you don't uh, get in no, trouble no. in the way that normal um, people do. Uh, no, but I, I well, you didn't jeopardise anything by breaking it. McLaren were never happy. Of right. course they were never happy. But, you know, that's McLaren's... Uh, that's the other person. If they're not prepared to believe mm. that something could happen, yeah. and if they believe that they are so... Uh, great or such a position that the relationship is so strong mm. that somebody like Lewis Hamilton leaving McLaren mm. could never come into their framework mm. uh, but I can understand why because he'd been there since a very young age 14 or whatever it is mm. and they probably felt but you know there seemed to have been a breakdown somewhere along there which may not everyone in the team may not have been fully either up to speed with or so for Lewis to leave I'd say it was a gut wrencher for Lewis, but he was determined to do it. Right. And from that point of view, um, that was easy. Mike, Michael's return was, uh, I shouldn't have known, but there was a request for an insurance thing and this and that and the other, so I realised something was going on. Um, just to go to um, talk about Dan, Daniel's move to a uh, to Renault. We're getting in the way of a delivery at the moment, apparently. <laughs> um Daniel's move to Renault. Some people are comparing it favourably and uh, to Lewis's move from McLaren to Mercedes and others are saying it's nowhere near. But I guess one comparison that you can make is the fact that McLaren didn't expect to lose Lewis. Likewise, Christian and Red Bull didn't expect to lose Daniel. Do you think he's made a mistake or do you think this could be a well-thought-out, long-term plan? It's a very good question. My view is that Daniel clearly has seen enough inside a Red Bull to realise that Max had the higher ground. And it meant if he was ever going to be world champion, he's going to have to beat Max first. And Max has been singled out as the chosen one. Helmut Markle and the team have pretty much made that the fact by the way they let him sign, the figure that they signed him for. Uh, so when you take all of that into consideration, I can understand I can understand why he left. Um, it's a strange one. I was shocked when I heard it, I have to say. I had to listen to it twice to fully believe it. Um, I'm not sure. I think, I think Daniel was at a situation where he was offered a lot of money. Mm. Uh, he's very close to 30. Um, I'm not saying it's downhill as a result of that, but you know maybe his very, very best years are gone. Um, and he's probably looking at a change. Um, and he's not been totally fulfilled at, at Red Bull. And that's what happens. We were similarly surprised when Sebastian left Red Bull mm. to go to Ferrari. Mm. Right, back to you. Yes. Yes, come on, let's talk a bit more about you. Uh, what advice, you know, just hearing about your life now, and it obviously it's had its ups and its downs, but an overall feeling of, of warmth and uh, fantastic memories 
that you've had and you know there's there's uh I mean, in, in some ways, you might say, looking back with rose-tinted glasses, but actually, I feel as if you, you've taken the rough with the smooth and, and loved it. But is there any advice that you'd give to your younger self? Is there any regrets? Is there anything you'd do differently? Is there anything you'd say to your 25, 35-year-old self and say, you know, hang in there, it'll come good? Or, you know, what, what would you say? Well, there's a word I use a lot. I know I bored the pants off everyone at home, and that is... <laughs> It's just one word, and that is believe. You've got to believe in yourself, what you're doing. You believe that it's right, it's correct. It's good for you, it's good for your family. Believe in yourself. Because, you know, um, perseverance can make failure into extraordinary success. And that's the same thing, isn't it? Whittle that all down and you've just one word, believe. So you've got to believe in yourself. Forget the perseverance, but forget the success. Forget. There are other words all dressed up nicely to make the same sound. Um, but believing is a factor that I uh, have always either believed in myself and I um, wanted to be sure that... Uh, um, I wanted to believe that this was a uh, part of what I do. And... Um, Shut up, please. Hello! Fuck's sake. We left it. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Now, does belief also mean strengthen your convictions? Because if we talk about some of the decisions, take Daniel's decision to move to Renault, is that an inner belief that you're listening to the voice inside that's telling you this is the right thing to do? Because it must be very hard. There's one thing, believing in your ability. There's another thing, believing in your decision-making process. Well, I believe it's belief in, in, in many different categories. First of all, you just can't say that believe in yourself uh, and then take on something that is flawed. Exactly, um, yeah. So you have, to, you have to believe in what you're deciding to mm. do. You have to believe in the drivers you've got. You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe in the wife that you've got. You've got to believe in the family you've got. Mm. They've got to believe in you. So, I mean, there's a, f- a huge amount of honesty that needs to go on here. And when I say believe, I'm not just talking about believing in yourself of course that is for me the predominant feature but it also entails a huge amount of uh, soul searching and making sure that you believe that the right decision is what you're doing Um, and you mustn't just uh, skip over it you know you really need to uh, be sure that what you have in your mind is what you want to do mm. and what you want to achieve. And I believe then if you have that total belief in your own ability and in the decision and in the structure of whatever you're putting together, that if you persevere with it, it will come good. Mm. Mm. That's great. And what do you believe you still got less left to achieve? Because you were telling me your diary for next week and it is a joke. I mean, you are all over the shop. You've got so much energy and drive and motivation. What is behind that? Do you just still have a desire to make money? Uh, less so. Okay. I did have. Um, and because money was the only way that I could really see myself counting success. Mm. Um, so what is success? I've no idea. 
whatever my bank if my bank manager doesn't call me every Monday or Friday or the bailiff doesn't want to see me then I know I'm actually on a bit of a roll here uh, because it was like that it was very tough uh, and I was on first name terms with all the bailiffs in Northampton for a very long time <laughs> so um, uh, those days are gone thankfully um, so, uh, but I, I spend less than what I used to spend and I'm not a big spender on myself I absolutely uh, love the music uh, have a bunch of guys uh, with me and the robbers and we play you know we have a really a lot of gigs on at the moment um, but it's coming towards the end of the season so this summer stuff that we had in in Anjuna for example in South Coast um, Côte d'Azur uh, in Ez that's coming to an end but there's lots of other gigs at the moment um, and as long as that continues and that gives me such an immense amount of joy but I think actually playing in a band with a couple of guys and learning new songs and listening to uh, you know my great friend Luca who sings with a song he's writing songs and we're bringing on young talent and he's developing other things and he's just had a number one in Italy with Mario, Mario Biondi and you know when he writes those songs it's, I get a great buzz out of that yeah. and um, so uh, that's the music and I cycle maybe four or five times a week uh, really long cycles I push myself so um, I, I need to keep myself very fit because I'm a short guy uh, I don't want to get fat and um, you know I've got to be under 70 kilos so I push like hell and if I'm over 70 kilos I've gone mad with myself really upset now my final question to you Eddie what keeps you awake at night I mean you seem a very I was going to say laid back I wouldn't say you're not laid back as such but you do take everything in your stride good and bad does anything make you toss and turn at night Yes, particularly at the moment, and that is, how on earth am I going to get this new boat of mine to go quicker? Because I'm doing the Perini Cup this weekend in Sardinia, and I intend to ruffle a few feathers, <laughs> I intend to kick some ass, and I've got a few little surprises. Um, I mean, Bernie used to tell me there's no point in winning a race and doing things if you don't cheat a little bit oh stop it of course he says that but you know that's the way you have to think in any business in any sport you yeah, have to you be on the edge of cheating. You've, you've got to be on the edge of Come legality on. cheating was meant with a tongue in cheek of right, course okay, good 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 um, can't possibly encourage no no that. no I wouldn't yeah. actually uh, suggest that people should cheat but, but you know smart, what I'm saying is smart. take advantage yeah, yeah. you've got to take as many advantages to yourself as you can well look Eddie it's been an absolute joy you need to get back to your rehearsals just Peter hold oh, a sec please he's, um, on, he's on the phone he's on the phone <laughs> it doesn't stop um, this man I'm going to have to go back to rehearsals yes. I'm delighted to see you um, there's lots of little stories I have to tell you a little story about you and I I remember being very posh invited to do a charity thing for your charity to Chelsea Football Club and I didn't realise but out of the blue and out of the darkness came Prince Harry and I had no idea that all of you people had been so brilliant at what you do for all your respective charities and I'm here doing mine you do yours I love you for that because uh, you're a very wonderful kind soul and every time I see you in the paddock it makes me feel good oh that's lovely thanks EJ even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 